Hello, hello. This is Mr. Authentic 838 and my guy Motown Gamings. What up, what up? We are back on the Unpacking Podcast, and today we're going to piggyback on expectations. I got my guy, Mr. CJG, with me today, well, with us today, and we're going to continue where we left off a couple of weeks ago on expectations. And um, I guess uh, we'll start with you on what does expectations mean to you? Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, expectations, I see it to be something that you set out to do. Uh, more or less expectations being goals or achievements or things that you have in mind that you would either A, want to accomplish or B, set out to accomplish. Right. Um, okay, as far as growing up, um, I know that uh, you and, you know, you grew up with your father and your life and all those things. How was it when you guys were living in the same house? How was it when those expectations were there? And how was it when, um, you know, when he left? How did that, did that transfer over? Or was those expectations gone when he left? Um, That's a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> give you a, a little history on me. Uh, I yeah. grew up in a two-parent home. Uh, I do have an older sibling. And the expectations that my father set on me and my brother, given that we were boys, that were boys, he didn't have any daughters. Uh the expectations, I'll say, he kind of set in front of us as to be honorable, stand-up young men, uh, to grow into being uh, respectable men, you know, uh, having integrity and strong character, uh, want to be fearless and never be ashamed of who you are, you know, but also be very hardworking and a provider, a natural provider for your family once you do the gift one. Being in that household with both my parents, I got to see my dad uh, do everything. He, I, of course, like I said, I grew up in a military home, so my dad was everything. You know, he was the provider. My mom didn't have to work, but she didn't. She didn't want to be one of those lazy individuals, and she never has been. So my mom had little jobs. She did have odd jobs at times, uh, but at the same time, I watched my dad get up at three in the morning. Uh, and come home at five in the afternoon, you know. Uh, he did this day in, day out. And never once complained. Uh, the, the goals or the things, I'll say, I won't say goals, really, but the things he instilled in us, uh, the expectations were to never be lazy and never wait on someone else, you know. So summers I spent doing PT with him, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a prototypical childhood of being able to go play with my friends from sunup to sundown in the summer. Uh, with my dad, we got up early in the morning. I ran PT with him. Uh, I went to the barracks to work with him in the motor pool. Uh, I did yard work, of course. And, you know, a lot of hands-on things that he taught us, you know, uh, me and my brother. Uh, my parents divorced. I was 11 years old. And my brother being the older sibling, he was 16 at the time. Uh, 
a lot of things, I won't say the expectations transitioned or they disappeared, uh, but they more or less became more of a tunnel vision for myself. Uh, they faded into my the brother. background without their structure being there. Did you hear what he said? Uh, <clears throat> I said it's kind of like they faded into the background because he kind of wasn't there to continuously push you towards it. Well, I, I won't say that. My brother kind of more or less pushed it more in the forefront for me, uh, personally. Because he felt like he had to try to fulfill the fatherish role that he was now the the older male in the household. You know what I mean? He tried to be that, that father figure that once my dad was exhumed, was pretty much out of the picture, he tried to be that role, you know, giving me someone to focus in on. Right you on. Know? So a lot of things I wasn't... I still, I was never a thug or a street kid like that, but I was, it was a bigger emphasis when it was just the two of us because of where we moved in the neighborhood we were living in, and it was more or less like he tried to focus on, oh, you will go to school, and you will make better grades than me, you were going to do this, and you know, he always tried to keep that in front of me while he felt as though he could, then I guess be the one who had to turn to that when he did himself, uh, and I would say my mother kind of kept the same expectations our father kept them, you know. She kind of stood by the same standards, you know. Uh, she equipped us even more then because when it became just a single-parent home, I then learned how to cook, you know. Uh, mm. Things in the kitchen that my mother started putting in me, she wanted me to make sure that I I didn't need or have to want for anyone to have to provide them. She wanted to make sure that she gave me the tools as well as far as uh, housekeeping, uh, cleanliness, of course, uh, cooking, uh, and even being, you know, a, uh, I won't say soft, but being a more of a gentleman and seeing how you're supposed to treat your woman, yeah, you know, giving me the female perspective of how you should talk to her, how you should call her out her name, uh, how it would make her feel, you know what I'm saying? Kind of giving you that That consideration. Uh, there you go. Uh, my father was very hard in. He was very, <laughs> a very stern, Felt, uh, mind you, he was 5'8", 5'9", uh, 170 pounds of dynamite, you know what I'm saying? I mean, my father, he, he demands attention with his presence, and it would control the room. Like, my father always was that big of a figure in my eyes growing up, and even to this day, to where his presence demands attention. And it's not that he goes in there angry or acting like such, but he's just that type of individual to where when he makes an entrance in the room, everyone notices him, you know? Right, right. And uh, my mother kept the same attention, you know, kept the same uh, the same deal in front of us. She kind of tried to keep me motivated, as well as my brother. Uh, she tried to push my brother to make sure he furthered his education. Uh, he actually went to college, you know, out of the two of us. He was the one who went into college. Uh, he actually went on a partial scholarship, and ended up wanting to be close to the home. He went to uh, Grambling State when he first got a partial scholarship to go play ball. Uh, and then he wanted to be close to the home because he felt, you know, college life being away from my mom, being a single woman, and me being the little brother, he, he worried more of that. Right. Uh, and he, he came close to the home. Uh, eventually, that thing was his second year in college. Uh, he moved back to the state, moved back to Texas, and went to TVCC, but... While there, he, you know, wham, had a kid up. Uh, hey, wham, wham. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know. Can't, can't, go, do it. Can't, can't go diving in the ocean without a scuba suit. Uh, oh, yeah. Scuba Steve's on vacation. <laughs> oh, Curtis. Oh, my bad. Hey, he can't talk because scuba, scuba Steve on vacation in the wintertime. Hey, hey, hey. We ain't talking about Scuba <laughs> Steve right now. Scuba Steve <laughs> on the wintertime. Hey, we ain't talking about Scuba Steve. Game, gotta be better than what it is. Yeah, second to the last pump will get you every time. We ain't talking about Scooby Steve <laughs> right now. Back to the subject. We're getting uh, off subject here. Continue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, That's Uh, 
given if that were to be the situation and I had to trade places with my dad, now being a father of two young men, uh, I would want my boys to understand what's going on and tell them where I am. But I would let them know during this time period, I would want them to know that I love them, but do not come visit. situation and it's good feedback for someone that may go in that situation or whatever and it may help someone else later you know down the line you never know so it's good to know that you are able to elaborate a little bit more on that Expectations on you 
because you haven't had kids at that at that moment and you had to do better to set a better example well, for your mother? Oh, well, between the two of us, to give you more of a uh, relationship to me and my brother, I love him here. Yeah. But ever since birth, <laughs> it, it's been more prone for me to overachieve or do better than him in everything. Uh, even as children, I mean, we would, we didn't get our first color TV until I brought home straight A. Right. Like, my dad was very big on grades. Like, he taught us growing up, your job is school. You know, you go to school, you go to work. Eight to three. You're going to work. And while you're at work, how you get paid is when you bring home straight A's or A's and B's to me is how you get paid. And he basically told us then, you know, you bring home A's and B's, the keys to whatever you want, you know, like the keys to the mansion are now open. You can basically start, you know, making requests that normally you would think is out the wazoo or overabundant or too much. You can really then go, okay, look, this is what I would like. I've earned, you know, and so, it would justify with that. That's a good expectation. We got things. That's a good so, expectation. Uh, can, can we bring that to today's term? Do you think that would be all, uh, a good, a good expectation to put on our kids now, or do you feel that they would be a little bit too much because they would kind of fall under oh, pressure? No. I, I, I have already implemented and instilled that in my own children. I do just the same. Uh, I, I tell my boys first foremost, get your mind on the books and off the girl, and that your schoolwork is your job. And I have opened up the doors to my kids to where with things they have requested, they have received. Uh, they've proven their worth and their work by showing me how they have corrected grades. Uh, I watched my, my oldest son previous year uh, was actually starting off his second semester in freshman year, was failing three classes. Uh, Instantly, I removed his phone from him. I let him know the expectations that were set for him to bring home A's and B's. And I also let him know the things that you desire of your heart, such as uh, the new 2K or the new Madden or PlayStation 4, or things that you let me know that you have desires of your heart. Those things will be shut down to you. And you don't show me that you're going to handle your business like you're supposed to at school. You're at school 8 to 3, not to socialize, keep with friends, but to get an education. And you show me that you're establishing or putting in that work by bringing me home these grades. You show me that you're lacking and not doing things you're supposed to do. I bring home failing grades. And see, that's and they a- also, and also said they also understand that I don't spare the rock. Oh, so when you do come home with those grades, there are some chastising going on as well. Catch that backhand, they both spire out. But I also do bring the. You know, the rod would be, you right. know, and see, a rod of Good. And I watched my I watched my kids bring it all the way in. And I mean, 
I didn't have to hound him day for day. I didn't have to feed it all the way into him. We had that one sit down, and I let him know exactly what the expectations were. And right. he delivered. And, see, and in return, he was glad to his phone, and other privileges were allowed back to the house, you know? Right, and those expectations transfer from the expectations that were set from your father. So you did exact, you did the exact same thing your father did, and whatever. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And uh, I would say uh, the reason why I did say between my brother and I, mine were set higher from the gate, uh, was because, like I said, we we didn't get our first gaming system or color TV until I brought home eight of these. You know. A lot of things, my father didn't look at first grade, second grade, really like challenging because it was still fresh into school. Third grade, you get a little more. Fourth grade, you get more, you know, you kind of get the curve of more schooling and different things. Uh, and my third grade year, I, I kid you not, I told my dad I wanted a color TV. He looked at me and was like, well, bring me home A's and B's. Of course, I delivered. My brother, on the other hand, couldn't quite deliver, uh, and he should have. I supposed to go in certain areas. I was stronger in math than he was, and he was stronger in English than I was, you know? And it, I, I hated English in school, but I, I made sure to bring home A to B when my parents put that in front of me. Uh, <laughs> my right. brother struggled. And a lot of that is because his social life really started taking off more or less. He became a little more of the popular seller and uh, taking more of a liking to the young girl, the different things of that nature. And me being the younger sibling, yeah, I mean, it was easy. So I earned us a color TV. I say us because he would always be in my room watching my stuff. Uh, <laughs> I got my first Nintendo for Christmas that year. Uh, the NES. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario Ball. And, uh, Mario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I got all that, all the gaming systems that I've ever desired, and I had the privilege of earning. I, I earned, it, you know, what I'm saying with my hard work in school. But I also learned another value point in that. Uh, my father instilled in us things that are worth keeping. You know, what I'm saying you earn them. If someone just gives things to you, you never really respect what that item is or respect the value of. It. Right. Uh, That's I true. Didn't, I didn't take lightly to my uh, to my Sega when I earned one. I didn't take lightly of my Nintendo. You know, you could just come in my room and throw my joystick, and I'm just okay with that. You know, we we lively go round and round. You throw my stuff around. You know right. how hard I had to work to get that. That's so, true. I remember my first. I remember my oh, first bike. I remember my first bike. I think I talked about it on one previous uh, episode where. My grandpa showed us the night before our bikes, and we was all excited. And on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas morning, we went to go, you know, look for our bikes and everything. And we went in the garage. He said they were in the garage. We go to the garage, and we see boxes, and we're like, "Where's our bikes?" And he said, "There they go. We got to put them together." And Get yeah, oh my! When I tell you, Get upset. Hurt. But I understand what he was teaching us. And I did have more value to my bike because I manually put this together. As hard as it was, <laughs> you know, and then hey, I put... I like this. You, you were one of those kids, I bet you, you used to kickstand when you set your bike. I did. promise, yeah. My bike <laughs> didn't lay on the ground. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> my bike. else just rolled up in the yard, 
throw their bike down, jump off their bike. No, sir. I lock my bike up. I use my kickstand, because that's what it is for. That is what it's I for. I'm not. I'm not this thing up and let somebody else walk away with it. Shoot, I don't even I let nobody. Ride. I didn't even let people ride my bike. That's how nope. stupid I was oh, about it. Hell <laughs> if you did hell ride, and trust me, I'm right. close and stride right beside you. So you get any that's ideas, I'm elbowing your ass over with. That same energy I kept for my boy. Right. Because I know what it made me feel like to not only uh, achieve something makes you want to be like, man, I want to be better than my father. I want to do better than... Because you do have some people that don't receive that from uh, their parents or whatever. So how did you get that when... Mine, mine came from a rooted place of hurt. Uh, oh, that's, that's unpacking. When I first found out that my father was locked up, uh, it, it, it crushed my world. Right. Uh, you have to realize that I was a father, I was a daddy's boy, guaranteed, you know what I'm saying? It, it was tiptoed down right hand to the man, you know what I'm saying? I was, there was no other gift answer but My father was super 
man in the flesh. Right. You know what I mean? There was nothing he couldn't do. And the fact that my father served in the military, I then took those stripes and bore the flag on my chest and my back, you know. And I looked at it like, this is the, the highest level of respect you can have, you know, right. where folks salute the flag, you know, when you're doing your Pledge of Allegiance in school. You know, and they hold their, well, I take that back. They hold their hand over their heart. I would salute the flag because I looked at the same thing. This is what my father does for this country. If my father is away from me defending this country and all her interests, that is the highest honor you can do is to defend this country. And that's the way I looked at it. When I felt this, so when I first heard about my father being incarcerated, it crushed me because I looked at it as, the way I was pretty much viewed, or the way the world viewed it, if you went to jail, you did something completely wrong. Right. You know, you you broke the law. And not that my father was in, in law enforcement, being in the military, but I looked at the same thing. We don't break the law. We don't do anything illegal. You know, these are things my father, you don't steal, you don't lie, you don't do these things that you know, people do that are illegal. You don't do that stuff, you know. Where is your sense of integrity? And this was me as a young kid. And when I first heard, like I said, my world became shattered because I put everything into my dad. Right. And I felt as though at that point, my father disappointed me. Right. You know, this is something that he's told me, you won't go to jail. You won't go to the pen. <laughs> that and that. You know, hearing that for so long and then you being a individual who now is doing those things, how can you tell me this? You know, how can you set the bar for me, but then you don't meet your own bar? Right. So I really, I, I took it personally, and like I said, it came from a place of hurt because I was crushed. And from that day on, I, and I love my father dearly, but I looked at the same sense of where he failed, I have to succeed. I can't right. Right. You know, I, I can't fail. I have to teach my boys better than my father taught me. I have to love on them and show them that I'm there for them more than he done for me, you know. And I like that four-year gap that my father wasn't there, I then started playing football, different sports, picking up, becoming an athlete. And a lot of kids, you would think, oh, well, you know, you go to your, your peewee football game and your dad's coaching or your dad's in the stands, you know. And at the time, I wanted to play TV football, but I, I didn't want to take away from the one thing that he and I shared, which my father had put me at the age of six. My father had put me in martial arts. So that was something that he and I had that was our bond. Now, my brother and him had sports at the time. I wasn't too big of a sports fan then growing up, but he had basketball with my brother, and he had martial arts with me. Like, we watch John Claude Van Damme movies, we watch Bruce Lee movies. We, we were, that was our deal, you know what I'm saying? And when I took a strong liking to it, he then was like, well, you know, do you really want to pursue it? I said, yeah, I want to do what they do. I want to do it. I see Jackie Chan do it. I want to see what these other guys do. I want to do it. And he signed me up with martial arts. And I mean, by age 11, I was third degree black belt, assistant instructor in my class. I literally could have uprooted and started a whole separate branch from my master at the time, which was Roma, Roberts Academy of Martial Arts. 
uh, I could have branched off and started doing my own thing. I mean, the age of living. And I had older peers than me that I had started excelling beyond them as far as taking in classes, different things, and teaching classes. And I'm 11 years old. And I took it that dedicated, that serious about it because that was something my father and I had. Now, when my mother had divorced and things hit and money gets tight, you know, extracurricular activities kind of go out the window, especially in a one-income household. Right. So I had to give up something that I had become very passionate about. But it also had grown from just martial arts to boxing, kickboxing, different things, different forms of fighting. I started finding myself attracted to different fighters and different things. And I, I then took it as, I had to be better. You know what I'm saying? I, I got to do something bigger and better because of that bond that my father and I had and how I felt. Right. So I did not want to be in the same shoes as him, you know, 14 years into a marriage, 15 years into a marriage, and divorced. Two kids. You know, I didn't want that. Right. And I looked at the same sentence, if anything you've done, any goal you've set, I have to do something better and greater than you. I have to be on, be better than you. You know, and like I said, I grew up, you know, that four-year split where he was out of the picture, and then when he did come back around, it wasn't like as if he came back and he was a solid. It was in and out, you know what I'm saying, to where all the way my senior year, here I am in the playoffs playing football, and you make a away game, you know. And I look at the fans to see him, and it was this shock, like, oh, my God, you, you're here, yeah. you know. You play uh, hard as hell, too. Boy, <laughs> you got to show your entire ass. And, and, and it was it was man a lot of things I kind of took with me uh, I, I looked at my father he wasn't there for you know so I took a lot of a lot of hurt made me I won't say hate him or be disgusted with him but it made me take it and influence in the same sense that I would be better beyond your years you would be an asset but I would be better than you in your years if we run comparison at the same age I want to be beyond where you were at that age Right, right. You know, That's what I strive for because, you know, my father wasn't around. So my grandpa was my uh, footstool. And I had to, my that was my main thing, to be better than where he was, you know. So that was my uh, my goal to do, and, you know. And my grandpa told me straight up, too. He was like, you got to do better than me. That expectation was set. So... I knew then, when I was a teenager, this bar of where my grandpa was was set already then. And my main, I've been striving and working hard, and it's to buy a house, really. You know, because he already bought his house at uh, 42. He bought his house at 42. So, I have to buy my house before at least 40 or 42. That way, I'm, i am done a better job than him. You know, and you I, so that expectation was set. You know, that's why I'm so stupid about trying to buy this house. <laughs> you know, and it's because it's just I feel like whenever I get it, I feel like I finally achieved the ultimate goal that I've been trying to do for my whole life. You know, and and that is a positive, a, a positive vibe. You know, a positive uh, expectation that you yeah. want to set for your kids. You want to have something. You know what? I understand this quote when it says it in the Bible, 
it says you gotta have core you gotta have something to hold you down or you'll fall for anything you know and you gotta have a it's like a tree you gotta have something rooted in the ground that ain't going nowhere this is what you gotta this is it right here all right you're not going nowhere i'm not budging i'm not moving now all you gotta do is meet me here you know or beat me beat me or become more than what i am right here you know if you can't do that and if you don't have no one to set that that uh foundation for you then you will fall for anything and it makes it harder for people that don't have that foundation to be better than what they are you know so expectations is a big big part of not just family but being a parent a lot of kids are growing up without fathers and without well you know mostly fathers man take what we're saying serious because the biggest thing that you can do is be all you can be for someone just like you growing up there you go someone other than yourself yeah i'll give you a real quick on my wife I used to tell her all the time how she would look at my, my family and kind of analyze it, just prejudge a little bit. Yeah, and I'd have to that. sit her back and be like, look, you need to understand that my family, yeah, they're a little rough around edges and they're a little jacked up. But understand that that love that we have for one another comes from a very solid foundation. Like, right. I can literally go ham on my brother or know that he's wrong for something and go completely ten toes all the way neck deep into his butt behind it. And but y'all still be cool friend, after that. I'll tell him, look, I love you anyway. And yeah. he will look at him, I love you too, bro. And that'll be the end of it. Like, I could be pissed with this dude. You'll be surprised how many families call. tiptoe around hard subjects like that, oh. though. Oh, my God. Bro, oh, it pisses oh me off. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God! That's it. Mean, like, I need to know. And I've, I've had to tell her. Like I've had to tell her. Look, that's my brother. At the end of the day, no matter what happens, you did know what I'm saying. You can leave me. You can get up and go. He ain't and going nowhere. You love another man. At the end of the day, he's still my brother. These boys are still mine. Blood ties to them never can change. I don't care if they want to disown me or sit in there not mine anymore. My blood ties to you can never change. And I'm trying to get her to understand that that's the same way you need to be to me that I need to be to you. That we are so deep and twined that there's no blood, no change there. Right. But uh, not to get off course, uh, I told her about, you know, just kind of looking at my family and watch how she, you know, just talk. And the day that she got the word that her parents were divorced, Ooh. it was like, you can see in her eyes, her world. I literally was watching myself at 11 years old all over again. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I tried my best to get her. I mean, if she was full-blown, this is, she was 33. I mean, she was full-blown, oh, my God, I hate my family. They do this, they do that. I can't believe this, that, that, Like, and she's a daddy girl. So yeah. I can sympathize with her fool for her dad. But I looked at it in the same sense. I said, now, baby, I'm not being ugly. But I need you to now harness and pour, like pull it in, pull in the reins right now. Because your world just was blown apart. And I get that. I understand that. But we are now at that age to where you should be able to hold it in 
and understand what's really going on and not be outlandish or over the top like a child. I said it was hard for me to absorb and take it in because this was everything I'd known. I said, this is everything you've known, but you've grown and had a marriage now 13 years. You got two kids of your own. You got a family that you started. Your parents are old enough. So whatever they decide to do, they decide to do this. Now, after 13 years, I disagree with that, but that is not my decision. Oof, fuck that. That makes me tired thinking about it. It, it, I mean, it, it ain't trust me. Oh, it flustered me. It made me upset because my love for her dad was just the same as my own father. Because I looked at him as once I became a married man, he was more or less my own backing, like that father figure to help prove you and polish off the edges to yeah. make you a fine-tuned father and husband. You know what I'm saying? Like the tools my father gave me were to jumpstart my life. You know what I'm saying? The tools my mother added to that toolkit was to corral and keep things focused and tunnel vision in. And when I had Otis add to me, it was then like the fine tuning of, okay, we got, you got a car. My mother used the engine, you got the engine and it's rolling, but let's, let's, let's change these spark plugs, let's do an oil change, let's do the filter, let's do this. You know, so we're now she's rolling, but she's running the way she should. You right. know, and she's see, not perfect, but she's getting you there to where you now, okay, I can do tweaks here, tweaks there to get her perfect. And that's why I need, that's what I needed at that time being a young man. I mean, I got married at 20, you know, when you got a kid, you get married at 20, everybody else, you know, I looked at it like everybody else in their 20, 21 to 25, they're partying, they're living it up, you know. Here I feel I your pain, brother, I feel your pain. And a white. You know, like I got a wife and kids. I, I, I'm wanting to. You know, the urges are there. But this, 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 and like I used to tell Demetri, I said, "Tell my wife, oh my god, drop a name." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to tell her all the time. There's something in me, man, that just won't let me cut all the way. I said, "It's always every time I do something foolish or I get out of character, it's always something that holds me in and goes, now you know that's not you.'" And I can hear my father's voice saying. several times um iron sharpens iron you know yes, and yes, you this is another bar like you want to make sure that whatever iron you got you surround yourself with other people with the same type of, well not even the same type of iron with something stronger so you can strengthen your iron yes sir that makes sense indeed yeah, that makes sense yeah. that's where i'm going Something that's growing and 
facts. That's facts. And I looked at everyone else. I, I, we've had this discussion away from the podcast, but I've looked at it the same sense of if I'm not pushing you, then you're pushing me. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like Peter Totter, like we're taking turns. We get again the expectations of where we see each other and how we see each other. The goal is set. Like we spoke earlier on a different application. I want to see you do better. So when you're talking about doing something, I'm going to prime you and push you into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not like I'm trying to piggyback off you, but I want the best for you. Because I know if I'm tuning in on something, you want the best for me. You know what I'm saying? And it's, right. it's not like I'm sitting there going, well, man, you, you know, I, I really could be at work today, but, you know, I'm going to, you know, get some prostitutes in my house, get some cocaine, want to come over. What? You know, I, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, 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 at that point, everybody would look at you like, whoa, hey, hey, what are oh. you talking about? <laughs> you know? But if you have that one or two that's around you, they go, oh, yeah, I'm down. Those are the ones you need to cover. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you quickly want to jump in some foolishness and entertain it like that, then maybe I need to slow down with having you so close to me. You know? Right. No, or or cut it off. Me, if you're not helping me, you're hurting me. You know? And that's what some people don't get. They get gangrene in the foot, and the doctor tells you, look, we need to touch the pinky toe. Well, now, you know, I've had the pinky toe all my life. Okay, well, the pinky toe is going to cause you to take the foot. We need to take it before we take the foot. And if you let that thing fester longer, they're going to say, well, okay, look, we need to take the foot before we take the leg. You know? Right. And that's why I see it. certain folks in my life I've had to look, take the big toe. Take the toenail before that thing gets into the whole toe. Take the toenail. Get it. You know, or get in there and get it scrubbed out and uprooted before it becomes a problem. And when you got folks that's around you trying to push you in the right direction and their expectations are set just as high as yours, not just for you, but their own life and their own family and their own goals. And I look at it as a healthy, a very healthy and much needed competition of elevation. Because you won't allow me to settle and you won't allow me to just fall off. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't allow me to get in the comfort zone to where I'm not pushing for that next step where I want to plateau. You right. push me to make me go to that next step. You push me to make me go to that next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's healthy. When you have that kind of environment, that's very healthy. And sometimes, you know, when you're around certain people that you have to, it's really healthy to be self-aware and accept checkups from people that are also self-aware. You know? You want self-aware people around you that don't mind letting you know, like, no, bro, look, this here is not a good look. And the only reason why I know this is not a good look is because I've been down this road before, you know? Now, if the person doesn't want to yep. heed to your warning, then by all means, then there's nothing more that you can do. But even, like I said, Ezekiel, you, you warn that person. Let them know, like, look, this is, ABC is going to lead you to XYZ. But if you still want to go down XYZ, then I'm not going to have nothing to say. I'm just going to sit back and all I can do now is watch you. But what I am going to do is still be right there while you walk down XYZ. And whenever you realize, like, dang, all right, come on, let's get back up. Because 
All right, now this is a learning experience. So now you got to take what just happened now and learn from that situation where you do not make the same mistake twice. I'm here to help you prevent from making the same mistakes. Even when you still make the same mistakes, we don't need you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. <laughs> because the Bible clearly says if you have an ox with your brother, you have to go to your brother. If your brother receives you, your brother and you are fine. You're basically taking it back. You Proverbs all the way down through there. You got to be teachable. You got to be willing to listen. Being teachable and willing to listen sometimes don't line up together. But when you get them to go, hand in hand, you got to be able to sometimes step out of your comfort zone, your personal space, and put your feelings aside and hear what that person is really saying. Especially if that brother is coming to you and comes to you out of love, Well, like I said, that's just the reason why I started. we started the podcast, for the youth, for people to understand that these lessons and these conversations that we're having, we didn't been down there, we didn't done this and done that, we didn't been there and done that. We want someone, that, we want the younger people to listen to these words that we're saying, because these right here are teachings that are going to help you become better. These are self these are live experiences that not only I've been through, Motown's been through, CJ's been through, and we're trying to elevate our youth. You know, I don't care who you are. Listen to what is being said. Don't look at it like we're trying to beat you down or nothing like that. This is constructive criticism. So you can take a step forward and take a step up in your life. You can't be better if you're not aware. If you can't be better... If you're not surrounded by people that are better to help you become better. That's a bar. Indeed. I got some. I got bars today. But, man, we just need to cut this up short, though, man. We done did a, almost a whole hour on here. <laughs> well, forgive me. I, I uh, no, it's good. No, it's all good. It's all good. Well, you know, um, people, this is Mr. CJG, too. You can catch him on YouTube. He's got his own little YouTube channel. Motown, you anything you need to add or say anything? It's kind of been quiet. That yeah, was beautifully said. Beautifully said. I mean, you kind of covered every touch. You kind of covered everything. Yeah. And when, whatever. When you're talking um, the truth, there's not much I can say. I'm just going to sit back, relax, and chill. So it's good. I'm glad that we were able to touch back on that level of expectation um, and whatever. Um, I know you had some, uh, some, you know, a lot to say about when we talked about, uh, what was it? His, his uh, church overrated. Yeah. 
Yes. Oh, oh I, I yes, we we need to be in person for that one because <laughs> that one's gonna be magical. So we can do a part yeah. two on that and whatever. Indubitably. <laughs> I felt, Indubitably. When I felt when we first posted that, I and you listened to it and you got on a glide. I felt it in your spirit. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a great disturbance in the force. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, okay. Hey, I just I just felt like I, I needed to get some things out there. You know? Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we can we can attack that or I won't say attack, we can approach that you know, later. Yeah, like, we we, we gotta come up with a date for that one. Yeah, man, we can put it together. I know Marion uh Marion, you know, he's a he's a preacher. And he thought everything we hit was on point. He said, "Well, he wanted to. He wants to add more to what we were saying from so a preacher side." So it could side. be a part three. Yeah, after we do so, the one with CJG, for sure, for sure. So I, I mean, if I can, if we can chime in with him and get one set up, so, you know, we gotta have so many points. I would <clears> But actually, yeah, we can know, actually get everybody always... at the same time. That's what I'm trying to do right now. He's not. He's under the weather because I talked to him yesterday. Yeah. And he's under the weather. But, and that's kind of why we always have so many parts, because you can't always get the same schedule. And you never know what people are going through at that time. So I, I don't think that people really care about the parts as long as they're getting the content and it's coming from a heartfelt place. And it's our truth and our opinion about what's going on. So but most people would, would, would respect that because life is life. You can't always control it as much as you want to. Well, this is Mr. Authentic 838, Mr. CJG and Ghost. Yippee! Motown gaming. <laughs> He'll get together one day. I got like I got a few of them, y'all. I'm sorry. All these aliens, I'm man. sorry. <laughs> incognito dog, incognito. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, well, y'all know where to reach us at. We're gonna be on the Anchor app. We're also on the Apple Podcast. Um, we're on Spotify. I will also yeah. be on YouTube to also have the Sound link like in the description on yeah. YouTube. It's going to be on Twitter um, and whoever else they share this with. Make sure you share Have everybody. Motown. Have everyone. Make sure you share it, CJ, so oh, that yeah. everybody gets it. Um, and, yeah, just appreciate the conversation. And we will be back again next week with something new. Be easy, people. All right. Y'all have a good day.